Hello, church. How are we doing this morning? Oh, I like that. I always love it when people respond because I can't tell you how many times I've been like, how you doing, church? And people are just like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing. Why are you asking me this? It's, it feels weird. So it's always nice when I get a response. I'm glad you're all doing woo today. That's my favorite way to be doing. Uh, and I just want to say thank you uh, for allowing me the opportunity to speak. Hopefully, uh, this is um, going to be meaningful for you. Uh, it has been a long time since I have spoken, so please have grace on me. Taka and Natalie are both uh, much better speakers uh, than I am, but hopefully we're gonna have <laughs> we're still going to have some fun today. Uh, and also, I just want to say before I even get started, um, Taka and Natalie both, I love you so much. I'm so thankful uh, that you are my pastors, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I think most of you, if you're sitting here, you do. Um, you have the best pastors in the world. Um, they really, yeah, go ahead. Come on. They really are some of the best people to not only, um, yeah, <laughs> talk has given me this. No, talk is amazing. They're both amazing. And not only have they been incredible pastors since the beginning of this church, since even before I came, uh, they've poured their heart and soul into this city. But more than that, they have remained uh, faithful in the middle of a pandemic. It's been hard to do anything in a pandemic, as every single person here knows. Any job is hard. I can tell you from just experiencing life with them, there there may be fewer jobs harder than being a pastor in the middle of a pandemic, um, trying to make sure that people are taken care of, that people are being still ministered to in the city. When you can't see people in person, is really, really hard, and I've watched them demonstrate such courage, such faith, uh, and just such ongoing compassion for this city. So I love you guys, and thank you for allowing me to share this space uh, today. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to get into things, um, and I'm going to try not to, to cry, just like boasting over them, because I'll, I'll probably start crying right now if I keep going on that. But we're going to get into things today. Uh, the title of my message is Jesus, Luke Skywalker, and You. And I really, <laughs> the reason I did this, I wanted to put things in priorities, right? Like, we want to make sure that as we're thinking about things, it's like Jesus, Star Wars, me. And then in, in terms of our question, baseball for me is like somewhere just not even on the spectrum. Uh, I, I apologize if this, um, if this isolates me from some of you, but I could not care less about baseball. I realized this the other day. Taco was talking about the... Uh, the baby, ba the Cubs, the baby bears. <laughs> Taco was talking about the baby bear baseball team, and I was like, I, I literally didn't know. I was like, is that, is that lacrosse? This is a sport. We're talking about a sport. Okay, cool. So that is the extent of my knowledge about baseball. If we want to talk about UFC, that's like the only sport I know. And I grew up in Texas, so uh, please do me a favor and don't tell my family this. If they found out that I don't really like football, Mom, I hope you're not watching. I love you. Uh, but if they found out that I don't really like football or baseball or anything, uh, I may be disowned and not allowed to attend my next family reunion. So please, please don't tell them. Uh, but I want to give you an overview of where we're going to go today and why uh, my message has this crazy title. We're going to start off um, a little bit more uh, kind of in a, in a story. I'm going to tell you some of my backstory, and it's really strange because this is normally a story that I would share in a multitude of conversations with you guys in the process of hearing your story as well. Um, 
but we've I've been I've been worship pastoring in the middle of a, of a pandemic, right? So I haven't gotten to have uh, with all of you the conversations I would want to have. So I just apologize in advance um, that for many of you, you know very little about my backstory, um, and I know very little about yours. I'm I'm hoping that as the pandemic raises, that we'll have an opportunity to connect uh, even online and just get to know each other even more. Um, but it's been it's been a very strange. Um, a strange time. So I want to share a little bit about me first um, and get that part out of the way. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about Luke Skywalker and the Avengers. Uh, and then we're going to just kind of mosey our way over to a conversation about Jesus and farming. And then we'll pepper in a little bit about the European Union, obviously, because that's where you just go. Th- this is logical, right? This makes complete sense. Then we're going to discuss the future. So it makes sense. I feel like this is just, when I woke up in the morning, this just made the most sense to talk about this today. Oh, and then I'm going to sing a song for you, right? The typical sermon strategy. So here we go. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah, I like that. That's much better. Uh, So, okay. So nearly six years ago, I am 20 years old, and I am, this is the summer of 2015, and I'm walking around the small neighborhood that I grew up in, in a city called Texarkana, and it's a city that's in two states, and and I'm going to just get this out right now. It's in Texas and Arkansas, and I lived on the Texas side. I need to be very clear about this. There's a rivalry that goes on in Texarkana, and there's a rumor that Pastor Taka has started spreading about me that I'm an Arkansas boy. Let me just tell you, absolutely not. I've got some family on the Arkansas side. I don't talk to them, right? We don't, we don't communicate because across state lines, there's a big rivalry. Literally, there's, there's two football teams. There's two primary football teams in this tiny town. And on the game night that they host once a year, because they're not even in the same district, but on the game night that they host once a year, the rivalry between them, there are people that go to state line where you can stand like this and be in two states at once. There are people that stand and stare each other down on one side of the line. They're just like, yeah, yeah, we're for sure going to win tonight. Now, Arkansas has won for the past 20 years, okay? So I don't know what's up with, okay, yep, sorry guys. I move way too much. I move way too much. Arkansas has been winning for the past 20 years, but I just really have faith in this one football game. It's the only football game I know between these two. I'm thinking Texas is going to come through pretty soon. But I was walking around the Texas side of this town, and I'm 20 years old, and I'm really confused, right? Because when you're 20, that's like day one of existential crisis, right? You're trying to figure out where your life is going. You're trying to figure out if you did go to college, you're trying to figure out why am I doing this major I'm doing? Like, why did I major in fill in the blank? Communications, creative writing, whatever it is you did, even if it's business. I don't know what it is. We always tend to select the major that just seems to make the most sense to us, but maybe isn't even really the thing that we want to be doing. We just do it because we feel like it's a logical thing to do. So for me, somehow it made complete sense to major in Bible, biblical studies. And at the time, when I took on this degree, I was like, yeah, I want to be a pastor. This is what I want to do. But I, I used to tell people after I got out of Bible school that Bible school is where you go to either become a preacher or an atheist. Yet there's really like not any middle ground. You go to Bible school and either you love it and you're all in or you go and you start having a ton of questions that your professors can't really answer or they don't want to or they just don't. They're used to hearing all these whippersnappers come up with their crazy ideas and they just they don't dignify those questions. There are 
amazing Bible school professors. Unfortunately, um, I just didn't have many conversations with them. And so I had gone to Bible school. I was two years in. And at this point in my journey, I'm really leaning toward the full atheism category. I don't, I don't know what I think about any of it. But for me, I had grown up in a really, really religious environment. It was very strict. And I started asking some of those hard, complicated questions about faith in God and the Bible and salvation and what it means to be here. And instead of being met with open-mindedness and understanding and empathy, most of the time I was dismissed and told that I just needed to believe and trust what the Bible says. And maybe some of you, I would, I would venture to say that, that many of you even, have been there as well, or something like that, where you felt like not only were people of faith not able to give you answers, but oftentimes they weren't even willing to take your questions seriously. And when that happens, it can feel really isolating. And, it, and, and, and at least for me, it started to make me feel shame, like, like having doubts about God or faith or the Bible or organized religion or however you want to call all of it somehow made me a bad person. Or it made God angry at me, or it might even put my afterlife in jeopardy. That was a big one. I was scared. And I definitely remember feeling the whole gamut of those, that range of feelings. And this religion that preached love and grace and acceptance, it felt pretty ostracizing and exclusive. And, and, and actually, to be honest, just real deep here in the areas I lived in, often it was very racist. It was very, it was very limiting for diversity. It was very difficult to see other people get involved. And the problem was, if you were in the in-group, you were all the way in. But if you were in the out-group, it was very hard to get in. And I don't know if any of you have ever had that kind of experience with church or with faith, but that was definitely my experience. And it was hard for me because it made me, it made me wonder, like, is God, who supposedly was powerful enough to create the universe, who supposedly raised his son up from the dead, is he really too, like, is, are his emotions too weak to, hansel, to handle my questions? To handle my, my doubts? It didn't make sense to me. And, and, and it didn't sit well with me. And if God was powerful enough to do all of this, I was wondering, why can't we have an honest conversation and make some space for this? And that wasn't the only thing going on. So now we're going we're gonna to tell the other side here, while I'm in the middle of a faith crisis, while, while my, the psychology, my psychology had developed around this, my sense of identity and self-worth had developed around this faith, at the very same time, I'm entering a phase where my parents are getting divorced. My family's falling apart. So my faith is falling apart. My family's falling apart. I've got a degree that I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. Do you know how weird it is to get a Bible degree and, and, and with, with aiming at becoming a pastor, only to get to the end of that degree and be like, man, I have no viable skill set to take into any other workplace. All I know are scriptures that I'm not sure I even believe. I can't tell you how lost and confused I was at this moment. And then with my parents splitting up and my family falling apart. I was worried for my younger brother. I was worried for my younger sister and for my mom and how life was about to completely change for all of us. It's not good to have an existential crisis and watch your family fall apart at the same time. It's, it's not fun. And so uh, I had gone to school 
to be a pastor, and now I'm not sure I believe in God, and it feels extremely threatening. And months before this, I had actually been to a, a songwriting conference because your boy was just plucking on the guitar even back then. I was writing songs back then, and it was actually one of the only things that I still had left that, that felt comforting to me. But I remember going to this conference, and I met a, a group of pastors from Southern California uh, that I, I had never met before. I had never seen or experienced the, the vibe that I was getting from them. You know how sometimes you just, even if you don't know what you believe or whatever, you just click with somebody, right? You just kind of feel like, man, I, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something that just resonates with me, and I feel like I need to explore this relationship. So they actually, they apparently felt the same way about me, so they flew me out in February, and I got to see their church, and I got to experience a very, very different way of doing life and faith than what I came up in. And they were making, it was weird. It was like they weren't intimidated by the fact that I wasn't sure what I believed. They were making room for my questions, and they were willing to have open and honest conversations. And even if they didn't have answers, it just felt good to be seen. It just felt good to be known and accepted. And at the end of that trip, I was so excited. This was, this was February of 2015, so this is before the summer where things are falling apart. I was so excited to have potentially found a next move, but when it came down to breaking down the finances, I was just like, man, this is impossible. I can't afford to move to Southern California, and I was so sad, and I felt so defeated, and I couldn't understand why God would orchestrate such an amazing, you know, meeting and opportunity only for things to fall apart. So I'm in Texarkana, Texas, and it's July, and I'm around my neighborhood, and I'm praying for the first time in months. I had lost all confidence at this point that prayer really made a difference. I was so discouraged, so dejected, so depressed, and I prayed one of those, well, like this can't hurt. I might as well do this kind of prayers. Have you guys ever prayed that before where you're just like, I, I don't even think necessarily that God is listening, but I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to throw this out into the universe and see what sticks, right? And so I'm praying simply because I don't know what else to do on the off chance that maybe God might step in and show me something. And I prayed from a broken heart. And this is what I said. God, I don't even know if you exist. And if you do exist, uh, to be honest, I'm not even sure if I care anymore. I'm not sure I want anything to do with you, but there's one thing I'm asking. Please, let me do something I believe in. I have no idea what's next. I don't know what to do, but I know that I have to have something to believe in. I don't care how much money I make. I'm willing to make whatever sacrifice if I can just do something, anything that I can fully throw my heart and soul into. And that was it. That was the end of the prayer. And what happened next was crazy. I, I, I don't have time to go into all of it here, but a few weeks later, I'm sitting in an, uh, a job interview for a job that I knew I was going to hate that I knew I would have to compromise on like who I am and, and, and what I really believe in order to do the job. And I leave that interview devastated because the interview went really well. <laughs> I knew I was going to get this job, and I knew that I was out of options. And I'm not kidding. This is still crazy to me. I look back onto this, and I'm just like, I don't know how this happened. But this changed the course of my life. This changed the direction of my future. So, uh, one of the pastors from that church, 15 minutes after this job interview, out of no, we hadn't talked in months, 
And one of the pastors at the church that I had gone back that I had gone to back in February calls me and he says, "Listen, man, I don't normally do things like this, but I felt like God wanted me to tell you you belong here, and we're willing to move the money around and figure it out and make it work so that you can be here." It won't be a lot, and you're probably going to have to work a second job, which I did. I'm a master barista, just so you guys know. And uh, But I really believe we can do something special together. And I, I'm i just shook in this moment, right? I'm, I, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll be there in two weeks. And so suddenly my life went from I have no idea what to do next. I don't know if I believe in God. My family's falling apart. And I have no options on the table to, I guess my brother and I are going to drive across the country and move all my stuff to Southern California to go and figure it out. That was almost six years ago. So I pack everything up and I moved to Southern California and I was at that church for almost five years. And it was five beautiful, tragic, challenging, wonderful, heartbreaking years. Because that's how, that's how life is, right? It's never just one thing. It's all the things. And that's what makes life beautiful. Because who wants to watch a movie where the hero never has any problems and just starts out as the perfect human being with no need for any character development because she's already got everything figured out? No, we hate that, right? Like, we want the good stuff. We want the grit and the grime and the violence and the heartbreak. We want villains and antagonists. We want someone to close to our hero to pass away, or we want to see them lose everything. We want Emperor Palpatine's empire to rise, because otherwise there's nothing to do. We want Loki to antagonize the Avengers into an all-out war. We want the capital to throw Katniss Everdeen into a sadistic battle royale where the only option is kill or be killed. Why do we want this? Because it opens up the opportunity for something even better than everything being sunshine and daisies from the beginning. It gives us our favorite thing as a species, and it's the thing that binds us all together in our humanity. It gives us a good story. We are suckers for a good story, and there's no story until something goes horribly wrong. Have you ever noticed that? If there's, no, if there's nothing to do, if there's nothing to accomplish, if there's nothing on the horizon that's standing in the way of a better world, there's no story. There's no reason to do anything. If there's no, rede- there's no redemption, if there's no trespass, there's no dawn breaking without a descent into darkness. Luke Skywalker doesn't become Luke Skywalker unless he's con- forced to confront old daddy Darth. That's the only way. By the way, next time you watch that movie, you better be like, oh, it's old daddy Darth. That's <laughs> That's the kind of stuff we would say in, te- in Texas, not in Arkansas, though. They say weird things over there. I lo- What's funny about that to me is I just felt like I needed to clear that up. It has nothing to do with the story. I just felt like Taco was spreading rumors, so I needed to clear it up. But here's the thing. A good story requires risk. It requires sacrifice. A good story asks us to plunge into the cloud of unknowing and uncertainty. And often we don't have any clue why we're doing it or where the journey is going to take us. I came to California with no idea what this journey would bring. And when I got here, I spent a year wrestling with theology and learning about other perspectives. And I spent nearly four years in deep therapy and counseling discovering childhood trauma and confronting the tragedies of my past, and confronting the brokenness of my family, and all these different things that had accumulated over the years, big and small, and it was hard, and it was gut-wrenching, but it was also transformative, because in confronting these things, I found redemption, 
and release. And I was able to forgive some people in the same way that I'd been forgiven. It's easy to think that we just want to be happy, right? That we just want everything to work out and be simple. And I certainly feel that way still sometimes. But the truth is we don't, we don't want everything to be fine all the time. We want to go on an adventure. We don't want to tell our friends and family stories about how nothing out of the ordinary happened, right? We tell them about the moments that everything changed. We tell them about the moments when something went wrong or when something got lost or a relationship didn't play out the way that we thought it would. We tell them about how we survived, how we overcame, how we made it out, how we're still in the process of doing that. No one's ever like, remember that time I woke up and went to work and then came home and then ate dinner and then went to sleep and literally nothing out of the ordinary happened all day? (laughs) Crazy, am I right? Nobody ever says that. Even in the middle of the most mundane, business-as-usual days, we're looking for the little moments, subconsciously. We don't even do this consciously. The little moments that surprise us. The unexpected joys or frustrations, we're not even thinking about it. We're just looking for those little miniature adventures that we're going to share with our loved, our loved ones when we get home. That's just how we're wired. But what is the most beautiful moment in every story? The most beautiful moment in every story is the moment that the hero realizes that the story is not about what they thought it was about. See, heroes, when they start the story, they think the story is about the problem, solving the problem, fixing the problem. But it's actually, all good stories are actually about character development. It's when the hero realizes that our stories are not just about changing the world. Our stories are about changing us. So much of the time we want to throw it on the outside. We want to see, God, why don't you just solve my problems? Why don't you just fix this? And God's trying to turn us to the inside and say, why don't we focus on you for a minute? Why don't we focus on what I'm trying to use this situation to do inside of you? Because here's the reality. God knows that the only way for us to change is if our environment changes, if our circumstances change. Imagine imagine this. If a seed is planted... But then all it gets is sun, just pure sunlight. Nothing changes. It's just got the sun on it. Well, what's going to happen to that seed? It's going to die of thirst, right? But then imagine if a seed is planted and all it ever gets is rain. Well, then that seed's going to drown. It needs sunlight, right? It needs both in order to grow. So imagine if all we ever have are sunny, happy, we'll never know, you know, any issues type of life. What if that's all we ever have? Well, we're not going to grow. We're not going to know the life-altering power of challenge, and we'll never be able to empathize with those who are suffering. But then imagine if all we ever have is rain and clouds and suffering and hopelessness. It gets to a point when it just feels like too much. We lose hope and we drown in our grief. And so God understands the importance of balance, of everything growing in its season. And I'm sure, you know, many of you may have heard this scripture before. I'm only going to read a few because it goes on for years and eons. Uh, But it says this, for everything there is a season. This is Ecclesiastes 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep 
and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And my personal favorite, because I feel like I do this all the time, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. You know how when you're casting stones and then gathering them together like your normal everyday life, just picking up some stones and just throwing them? That's like my favorite thing to do. I love the Bible, guys. <laughs> I, I love the Bible now. When I was in Bible school, I had some trouble. But the Bible is so funny sometimes. It's just like, you know how when you're gathering so Anyway, sorry, I find that more funny than probably anyone else. Uh, I'm never going to stop telling jokes, by the way, that I just alone find funny. I will absolutely be the only one laughing in the room. That's another part of my story I feel like you guys just need to know. But what is God trying to say here? What God is saying here is apparently God loves stories. God's all about it. God's all about the action. We love stories. We love stories because God loves stories. God is about it. He's about the action and the dynamism and the challenge and the change and ultimately the growth. God was so about the struggle. God's like, I'm all about the struggle. He was so about the struggle because God's own story of human beingness included a cross. Apparently, God is open to the, to the lesson that struggle and challenge and suffering can bring into our lives. It's not to say that God is just like throwing suffering our way. That's not what it is. But God knows the power of redemption that can come when we face obstacles. The reality is love and change and growth always require a cross of some kind. Things in our lives have to die so that new things can live. God isn't frustrated with you because you stumble and make mistakes. God is thrilled when you wake up to who you really are and come home again. God isn't intimidated by the things that scare you. He views difficulty as an opportunity to show you who he really is and who he wants to be in your life. And most importantly, I think, he uses that to show you who you really are. So let's be clear. God's not afraid of change. God is all about change. And God allows our lives to change so that he can show us how he never changes. God allows changes in our lives to show us that his love is always the same. Jesus, he's referred to as the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith, the rock of ages, the unchanging one. His love for us doesn't move. It doesn't get insecure or anxious when we make mistakes. It doesn't cower at the sight of our fears. It charges boldly with us into every challenge because God is who God is always. So he lets the change come and he lets the rains come. But this is what Jesus told us. He used a lot of farming and planting metaphors, partly because he was ministering to an agricultural society, but partly because this metaphor is just so perfect. He lets the change come so that we know where we need to put our roots. See, the environment on the surface changes, but where we put our roots, where we put down our faith and trust, that is what never has to change because God is the same. So Jesus says it kind of like this, just like a seed, Jesus knows growth requires changing environments, but our roots stay firmly planted in Christ. He says in John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Abide, linger, stay, don't move in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him 
He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. The only way that we can handle the change that ushers in our growth is if we remain rooted in that which never changes. God's perfect love for us. This doesn't mean that we don't doubt or have questions. It means that following those questions into unknowing and continuing to trust the process of what God is doing. That's all he asks. It means trusting that God has rigged this whole world, this life around you, for your growth. And God is going to see your growth all the way through to completion. He will be with you every step of the way. So there's two questions I want to ask you today. I told you the beginning of my story uh, and how a lot of things changed on the surface for me. But I also am telling you the story of how God taught me to dig my roots down into the soil of his faithfulness. How God taught me to know that you can weather any storm, you can weather any high winds or pressure if you know where you're rooted. If you know that his love for you never changes even when you change. So the questions I want you to ask yourself today as we just reflect on this, what change are you resisting in your story right now that God may be trying to use for your growth? You're saying, God, I don't want this. I don't want to have to deal with this. This is too hard. This is too much. And God is saying, yeah, I know. It is, it is too much for you. But it's not too much for me. What might God be trying to show you about himself and about yourself in the process of this change that, that we easily want to resist. And then the second question is this, where in your life today do you need a reminder that God is still the same? That maybe things have been so hard on the surface, maybe things have been so chaotic or so confusing, and you just need God, the Holy Spirit, to come and minister to you right where you're at today and just say, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Sometimes, sometimes in order to become brave enough, right, in order, to be, in order to feel like we can even face change, we have to just come back to that center point every day and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to start this day with reminding myself that God is still here. He's still the same. He still loves me whether I feel this today or not. It's not about what I'm feeling today. It's about who he is. In, the, in March of 2020, I came to voice in the very same month that COVID changed the world, which was weird. <laughs> it was a weird time to, to, to move and to change my whole life. It was a weird time for all of us, right? And that was a rainy season, has been a rainy season, I would say, for almost everybody. 2019, weirdly though, <laughs> was a very challenging year for me. And right as things seem to be leveling out and looking up, I'm like rolling into 2020 like, yeah, nothing can get me down. <laughs> I feel great. I'm so glad 2019 is over. <laughs> the world is like, just kidding. 
Oh no, we can we can make this weird. I promise. And it did. And everything closed down and all people were relegated to their homes. And I was like, "All right, this might as well happen." It was suddenly a whole new set of challenges that required me to put to the test all the skills and resources and faith that I'd gathered from my previous adventures. And it required all of us to do this. Right? See, I love how God uses our seasons of unknowing and uncertainty to show us how to walk with others through that same process. 2019 had been so hard for me that when 2020 hit, I was like, all right, yeah, I think I can do this. And I can walk with the others around me who are confronting this profound uncertainty for the first time. At Voice, we had this amazing opportunity. It didn't always feel like it. Still doesn't always feel like it, but we did. We, we've had an amazing opportunity to try this grand experiment to see what being the church looks like when we can't figure out if the sun is going to shine or if the rain literally is going to rain us out the next day, right? That's a metaphor, and that was our experience. It's like, I, we might be under a tarp today <laughs> just for funsies, going to do this on the inside. But we got to see what being the church looks like from one day to the next, no matter what. And this isn't over. But what it has shown us, and I think this is so, so important, is that God is still absolutely the same. Because we can do this. And we can walk with others who are entering this kind of uncertainty. These seasons can scare us, but they can also excite us at the opportunity. They can challenge us, and they can grow us, and they can drive our roots deeper into the ground of the one who never changes. So, a year ago, when I started here, I didn't know what my timeline would be. But I knew that God had called me to London. And my girlfriend actually felt the same way. We knew that God was ultimately leading us in that direction. We just weren't sure when. I told Taka and Natalie from the very beginning that this was the case, and they were so supportive and so kind and celebrated God's calling on my life. Uh, and by the way, I'm just telling you guys, you have incredible pastors. That is not a normal conversation for pastors to just encourage and lift you up and pour into you anyway when there's nothing that you, you can do for them, right? That's a beautiful, beautiful heart to have. But then last July, my girlfriend receives a job offer in London for basically her dream job. And she, she was willing to stay, but I told her, I was like, you have got to go. You have got to pursue this. It's too big and it's too important. And actually, she had German citizenship because her parents are first gen in this country. And so she went before Brexit finalized in, in, in 2021. And she's actually received residency in the UK because of her status in the European Union. And this sets us up to be there for as many years as God asks us to be there. But here's the deal. It also means speeding up my timeline. I was hoping to be here at least two years. And... Um, I'd been in school for psychology with the intention of going on to get my master's and eventually to become a therapist. 
I only shared briefly, but the truth is that my journey with mental health, uh, it has been grueling. And it, it, the hardest thing by far that I've had to do in my life, but it's also been transformational. God literally rescued me from suicide. And he's used my experiences in therapy as a major tool for that deep emotional and spiritual healing. It's a gift I've known for a while that I wanted to share with other people, especially those who are struggling with faith and asking those same desperate questions I was asking as a young man. I'm still technically a pretty young man, but I do feel old pretty often. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Kathy knows. I don't know where you are, Kathy, but you know. Especially those circumstances that have played a huge part in mental health crises and for whom faith has been anything but a help, I want I want to help them. So Europe and the UK in particular is full of people like that, and I know that God has called me to them to help them in these unique ways. So I will be attending school there in the fall to obtain my degree and hopefully shine some light in a place that is full of depression and sadness and fear. But before I go, I want to spend some time with my family. Um, I've got some close family members that have actually been in the hospital, and I'm not sure when I'm going to get to see them again. And so I believe it's the right thing for me to do to go and spend some time with them before I go. But unfortunately, in order to do this, I have to leave my family here at Voice. And this has been a tremendously hard decision because I love this church. I love the people of this church. I love the team that I've been able to do life with. And while it's been unconventional and not at all been the way that any of us have expected, to be honest, this has been absolutely the best year at any church that I've ever had. And I say that with complete honesty and sincerity. This is a beautiful place with amazing people who care for this city and want to see God do an amazing work here. Now, Taka and Natalie and our leadership team and I have all been discussing this for months. We've been planning how it could work and our team has been so supportive and they've been committed to launching me out. Uh, this, is a, this is a new piece of my story unfolding, but it's also a new piece of Voices story unfolding. And so I'm excited to continue to pray with you and join with you, no matter where I am in the world, believing God's absolute best for this church. So before, before we wrap up here, I just want to give you an idea of what this looks like practically. This is... Uh, this is kind of like a, a submarine that's been under the surface, right, for a long time. We've known about it, but it's just now having the opportunity to come to the surface. So this isn't something that's come out of nowhere. We've been preparing for this for a long time, and now we're all collectively seeing this come to the surface. It's not sudden. It's not a decision we've made lightly, and we've been planning it out. So here's how it's going to work. I'll be here for the next two weeks. My last official Sunday is going to be April 25th. And I'm hoping to see you, uh, as many of you as possible, whether you're here in person or online. I hope you're able to come in person and I can socially distance hug you. Um, however, we want to make that work. Some elbow bumps. You got it, dude. Whatever it is. But I want to chat with you. I want to answer any questions you might have for me about what this is going to look like. Um, I'm so thankful for all of you. And I am so much better for the life that I've been able to live with you, even in the middle of the craziest time we've ever seen. <laughs> and we've... We've been talking about how to hand this ministry off in a way that continues to care for our church, 
Uh, I've been working in the background with Skylar, who you've seen up here. She's got the voice of seven angels, not just one, seven. I think she can harmonize with herself. It's a whole thing. Um, but the truth is, I don't know if you've seen Kathy. She can, she, maybe eight angels? I'm thinking eight. Uh, she can also harmonize with herself on a three-part. That's just, I know, that's who you are. They're both amazing, and they both have an incredible heart for this place. They're not just gifted. They're not just talented. We're not just throwing singers up on the stage. We are throwing two young ladies with a pastor's heart. Kathy's on our elder team, and she has an incredible passion for everybody at this church. She's a magnetic leader who pulls people around her. Uh, and if you haven't gotten to know Kathy and Raphael and their fam and Brooklyn, dude, you're the best. She hates it when I call her dude, but it is what it is. Uh, if you haven't met their family, it, it's time. They are incredible people, and they are going to be Ama an amazing, continue to be an amazing force in this church. Uh, and the same is true of Skylar. She's our worship intern right now, and she has just brought a life and a vibrancy and um, a joy. That girl is just joy incarnate. She is just so kind, and she loves people, and she's so insanely talented. You guys have not even seen the half of what she's capable of doing yet, um, and they are going to do an amazing job. So while this is a sad day for me, it is also a moment of great joy because I get to see God's work in their hearts and their lives and in their gifts and talents play out in a new way. I get to see them thrive and step into the leadership that God has planted in them long before we got to today. So if you would, I would just, uh, maybe this is a weird thing to ask. I don't think so. I would love to ask you to pray for me. Uh, there's a lot of decisions I have to make moving forward, a lot of things that are going to be shifting around in my life, and just knowing that I've got your prayers and your support at my back, um, would just I just want to humbly ask you for that. And then I would also ask you to pray uh, for Skylar and for Kathy as they step in and they take on this new role, uh, and they're bravely doing some things they've never fully done before. This is a first time, but I believe they're going to be amazing. And then I just want to ask us today as we're, as we're uh, wrapping up, let's, let's contemplate this together. For, not just for voice, not just for me, but for all of our stories. God, what are you wanting to teach me through the changes that I've been resisting? And God, will you show me again in this moment how your love never changes? And then let's pray for our church together. So will you pray with me today? If you're comfortable, would you bow your heads? Jesus, I thank you so much for voice. I thank you for the love and the compassion and the practical boots on the ground approach to ministering to this city. I thank you for Taka and Natalie for their leadership, for the way that they care for people. I thank you for the way that they build leaders up and give them the opportunity to thrive in every capacity. God, I thank you for the people of this church. I thank you for how they pour their heart and soul beyond not just their own lives, not just in their families, but into this city, into making a difference. And God, I just pray that you would continue to use voice in a, in a more magnificent way than you ever have. I pray that as transitions take place and the pandemic shifts and things move around and and. God, I pray, that you would, I pray that you would put voice in the most strategic place possible to make the biggest difference in this city. 
And Father, I pray that your grace would guide our leadership from, from, our past, from our lead pastors to our elder team, to our worship team, to our production team, to hospitality, to every team here. I pray that you would guide our leaders and continue to give them that heart of service where they can draw upon an energy source that they didn't even know they had in the darkest and most difficult moments, God. I pray that they would have a well deeply rooted in your goodness and in your faithfulness to draw from and extend your love to the people of our church and to the people of this city. Jesus, I ask all these things in your name today. Amen. Uh, there's, there's one last thing I'm going to do for you. Uh, this is a little bit um, unconventional, but this is a song that I grew up singing. It's a song that's changed a lot in the, in the way um, that I've sang it in the way, and in the things that it means to me. But it's been a, a, a beautiful prayer that I've held on to over the years. So I actually want to sing this to you today. Uh, and so I'm going to grab my guitar and I'm going to do just that. And you don't have to stand with me. I just want to invite you, if you want to bow your head, if you, if you want to just maybe get in some sort of a posture, but that just allows me to sing this over you today.
JP, thank you for being vulnerable. Um, any guys that have been a part of any transition, uh, maybe this, maybe in an honest moment this was you, um, but if you've been in leadership in any way, sometimes transitions can be uh, messy. And uh, the moment transitions become official behind the scenes, the plans become official, a lot of times that individual, again, you may find yourself in this situation uh, in an honest moment where that individual becomes dead weight, lame duck, right? Taking the paycheck but not doing the work because they're they're checked out. And we've been planning on this. We've known about this since late last year. And we've been uh, planning this, training Kathy and Skyler both for since December. So this, you may be watching this, especially if you have, I realize there's, there's people that are part of the church that have had really rough church experiences in the past. And you may be watching going, yeah, what's the real story? Did you catch JP smoking pot behind the church again? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's the real? That's it. See, what we believe as a church is part of your contribution to this world, part of the dent you're going to make in this universe will be through Voice Church, part of it. But what God has called you to do is much larger than that. It's more than that. So a part of your story is Voice. And there's a lot of your story that is far bigger than voice. And our job as a church family is to help you get connected and grow and find community and all that kind of stuff and make your contribution here. But then also say, what else does God want to do through you? What book is in you? What songs? What business? What organization? What initiative? What is in you that God wants to do through you? And how can we as a church help put resources and training and connections and relationships to make that possible, even if it doesn't benefit us on a Sunday morning at all? See, when Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, the Holy Spirit will come and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was the city, obviously, Jerusalem, Judea, which is the surrounding area, Samaria, which is kind of those people, those people your parents told you not to hang out with. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. We are part of it to the ends of the earth. When Jesus said that, Tustin was to the ends of the earth. And so what happened was there was a group of believers, disciples that, were, that stayed in Jerusalem 
and there was a bunch that were sent out from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was important. It continued to be and continues to be an important group of believers, but many were being sent out. So our job as a church is to almost be like an aircraft carrier to get people closer to their calling than they could have gotten on their own and help launch them. And so hopefully there's churches and there's ministries and there's people all over the UK that get to Jesus, see Jesus in a, in a new light, to see mental illness demystified and deshamed because we get to send JP. So I don't look at this as our worship pastor is leaving. I look at it as we're sending a missionary to the UK to meet people at the intersection of mental health and faith in Jesus. And so here's the next couple of weeks you heard JP talk about. He'll most this will be our next couple uh, weeks. Worship may look a little different as he's kind of stepping back and stepping on TVs, stepping back and helping kind of push Kathy and Skylar uh, forward. Uh, the last Sunday of uh, April, so a couple weeks from now, April 25th, uh, we'll have like a going away kind of thing uh, for JP. So if you want to, we'll have cards that you can write, but if you want to like pre-do a card or give him a, a gift, a sandwich or whatever you want, <laughs> uh, hot pocket or something, if you want to give him something uh, to say thank you, uh, feel free to, to do that. But we'll send them off properly there. That's also the day that we will uh, pray for Kathy and Skylar because I know they love attention. So we'll pray for them as our new uh, lead. Kathy probably, her heart is probably wet up like, dang. So uh, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and close out. A couple of things we always do when we uh, have service is we take an opportunity to take a free will offering. And so if you want to be part of that, if you want to uh, give through the church, uh, you can do that online. Go to voice.church forward slash give or there's an offering envelope and generosity boxes that are a little crooked in the grass. Uh, you can give that uh, away. And then we always uh, pray for one another. See, we believe that church is important gathered, but we're even more powerful scattered. So we have services, but then we actually go live out the church after we leave service. And so the way we end, if you're new to the church or if you're watching online, is we end service by holding out our hands like this. Uh, and is this a sign of surrender? What this is saying is, God, whatever you want to do through me this week, the answer is yes. Whatever you want to do through me this week, the answer is yes. Just tell me what to do. It's an act of surrender. Good, bad, and the ugly, you have it, God. All right, so let's put our hands like this if you feel comfortable doing so, and let me uh, pray over us to dismiss. God, we just thank you. And we thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you use people like us. We know us, and you know us even better than that, and you continue to use us. Thank you for seeing past our imperfections. Not even seeing past us, loving us in the middle of our imperfections. And we say right now, God, would you send us out? Would you send us out as missionaries to make a difference wherever we go? God, I pray for the future for JP. God, would you use him to make a difference on the other side of this globe? Would he have everything he needs financially, relationally, with connections? God, I pray as he goes through grad school, would he be a witness there? And God, I pray for the so many people that are literally praying right now all over, all over the UK. God, are you real? God, are you real? Would you show me someone who authentically follows you? No hype, no hypocrisy. Someone who just is really trying to live for you. God, I pray, would you connect them to JP? Would you use him? to fill heaven. And we as a church are honored to get behind them. Use us, God, this week. Speak with each of us, speak through each of us, and speak through us as a church. We give this week to you as worship. 
Jesus' name, amen.